What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. Hey guys, Cole here, producer for the Matt Sodnikar podcast, alleged super producer, but that remains to be seen. Hey, before we get this week's episode started with Downhill Brewing Company, just want to tell you about a product handmade in Colorado. It's called the Warm Front. It's made of PolarTech fleece, and what it does, it's a thermal bib. It insulates your core, it prevents you from overheating, uh, from actually having too many layers during those transitional seasons, spring, summer, fall here actually in Colorado. You can kind of get the whole gamut. Uh, it's super easy to use, super easy to stow. You can roll it up about the size of a pair of socks, throw it in a pocket, or even just hold on to it. I actually own a couple of these. I brought one down to Crested Butte for Fat Bike World Championships at the end of January. It was like 15 degrees before we even got started racing. I'm bringing one to Belgium at the end of the month uh, to go ride bikes out there. Versatile, lightweight. Pick one up, warmfront.com. It's got a money back guarantee, but I guarantee you're going to love it. Welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thanks for listening. I am joined again today, I'm happy to say, by my friend Ryan Helms. Uh, we first sat down four months ago. He is the designer and founder of the Side Hustle Journal, which you can find at gritandhustle.co. And it is a gorgeous printed bound journal for entrepreneurs, side hustlers. And he is the uh, successful, he's run a successful Kickstarter campaign to get this going. And with that, Ryan, it's great to talk to you again. Good morning. Good morning, Matt. It's a pleasure to be on again, and I look forward to uh, picking up where we left off last time. Definitely. My first repeat guest. This is a milestone for me, so I'm excited. (laughs) Glad to be the first. (laughs) So um, I just gave a brief overview of the book and go into some more detail and talk about a little bit about the motivation, and then I want to talk about what's changed since you've been... I guess, successfully funded by a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the journal itself is, it's essentially a tool to help people uh, structure their life. And that's kind of all facets of life, whether it be um, just your routines in the morning and in the evening, uh, how you manage your, uh, your daily workflow in your day job, and then what you do when you leave work. So uh, structuring what we call this side hustle. Um, so it, it really just adds a lot of structure in your life through a system that I developed within the journal called the molehill system. Molehill system essentially has a, a couple parts that comprise of it. So you have the first thing you do in that system is you determine your why. So this is kind of like, why do you actually want to start a side hustle? Because it's not going to be easy. And typically that's not the, oh, I want a Lamborghini or I want a big house. It's, it's uh, the more intangible things like, you know, I want to spend more time with my kids. I want to be on my own and be my own boss. Or I want, in my case, I want to travel the world. That's usually the things that uh, you want to establish as your why. And then you're going to go in and you're going to set an ultimate goal. And for me, for example, when I was launching the Kickstarter, my ultimate goal was to uh, put the journal out into the world. So typically that's more uh, of the tangible type goals. And then after that, you set milestones, weekly goals, and then really the uh, kind of backbone of the journal is uh, the daily section, which is that that structured daily flow that I was describing in uh, in the beginning. So 
essentially that's what the journal is. And it's completely geared towards people that are working that nine to five job and want to do something in their spare time. So it's there to maximize every minute of your day. Now, did you have a background in, um, I guess, operational, I don't know what the proper term is, the operational theory or professional development, because everything on your website just looks like there is a scientific background to all this, or did you just take the, how did you design the molehill system? Because I'm just fascinated by it. Because to me, it just, like I said, it looks like something I've seen with, you know, Myers-Briggs or my brief experience in the professional Mm -hmm. development industry. Yeah. So uh, just a little bit of background on the molehill system, because the name can sound kind of uh, wacky or or cheesy. Uh, Essentially what it is and why it's named that is when I was kind of going through this process, I obviously had friends and uh, you see it on on the internet all the time. People say they're going to do something and say they're going to start something, but often they see what I call the mountain. And the mountain is all the things they have to do to get to the peak, which is that goal. And they just get so overwhelmed and, and, just kind of defeated by all those tasks that they either never start or they quit shortly after they start. So the concept of the molehill system is instead of looking at the mountain, you chop that mountain down into a hundred or thousand or whatever it is, little molehills. And those are the little tiny goals that you need to get over each day and consistently doing these things that are hundred percent achievable, a, a molehill or a micro goal or these things that you're doing every day. And, there, they should be things that you should be able to complete that day and, and not carry over. And if you compound these little goals, it's like a 401. If you put money in it, it's like compounding interest. So it'll, it'll grow over time and you'll, you'll get that momentum. So that's kind of the concept behind the molehill system. But to your first question, I don't have any formal background or education in it. It, it just kind of comes natural to me, thankfully. And that's something I, I want to share with other people. And, you know, it may be good that I don't have any formal education in it because I'm not constrained by any uh, views that have been planted in my mind. I kind of can step back and, and know that I do have a day job, I have a very demanding career, and that I have structured my life in a way that enables me to also do things in my spare time. So I think that's a bit of an advantage and something I can bring to the table for others that are, are in that position that are either have a side hustle that they're trying to scale or, or just interested in uh, creating what I call career insurance and uh, starting a side hustle. Well, and that's always my challenge. And it was why I was not a good software engineer is once I had it designed either on the whiteboard or in my head. And once I designed the mountain, the molehill, was my biggest challenge. It was that repetition of, mm-hmm. of execution to make the mountain a reality because uh, being very visual, I would design that and then I would just check out because my mentality was, well, of course, if I can mm-hmm. see it, it's done and it's completed, but that's not what changes mm-hmm. the world and, and makes products and yeah. And companies yeah. and businesses, it's, you know, a lot of people have a lot of good ideas. It's all in the execution and, and just hearing you talk about yeah. being overwhelmed by the mountain. <laughs> I experienced that minute by yeah. minute, hour by hour. 
So it's, uh, I'm glad to hear I'm not. Yeah, and, and that's why it's really, that's why it's super important to establish that why in the beginning before you even start to have like, you know, why do you want to do this? Because when you do start to get overwhelmed and things like that, if it's just monetary or, or, or something tangible that you want, you're going to just throw it on the back burner. You're going to quit. But if you really have a, a solid foundation and a why for doing what you're doing, you, you want to have those extra hours with the kids. You want to go travel the world, you know, those type of things, you're, you're going to keep moving forward and you'll break through those mental barriers. So that's kind of why the molehill system starts in the very beginning before you do anything with determining that why for wanting to do this. <laughs> It, it, yeah. And I was listening to a podcast yesterday and I think it was a Quincy Jones interview. And he said something to the effect that the minute you chase money, God leaves the room. And he was talking about that in the context of mm-hmm. an artist doing something for maybe the, the masses or something other than their own creative endeavor. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I remember from one of my sales jobs, I just had a picture of my kids right by the phone so that if I felt resistance wanting to, uh, call somebody or do my job, I would just look at that photo of them and just, okay, that's, that's my why. And it's such a mm-hmm. powerful, it's not even a motivator. It, it's not even something that you consciously think about. So I love that that's at the top of the journal and just reinforcing that every single day. Yep, definitely. So for Kickstarter, so you started the, when we talked four months ago, you were, in the middle of the Kickstarter campaign and take me Uh through some of the challenges, lessons learned and some of the changes that have happened once you've been successfully funded. Yeah. So, uh, the first interview we had was kind of, uh, it, it was interesting because I had no hard date in mind when we were on that first chat, I knew I was going to do Kickstarter, but I had not set a firm date. And on that interview, I said November 1st. And because I don't want to say something and not do it, I actually launched on November 1st. So thanks Matt for uh, giving me some <laughs> motivation. Of course. Happy <laughs> um, return the but yeah, go, going, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, going through that, it, it's a hell of a process to be honest. Um, it's, it's deceivingly uh, time consuming. So it seems pretty simple. Like you create a page, you, people come see it. They'll think your idea is great. They'll buy it and that'll be the end of it. But it's, that's so far from, from the truth and not to discourage anybody that wants to do a Kickstarter, but there's a lot of pre-planning that goes up front into this. So for example, reaching out to people, I spent hours and hours just sending cold emails to people. Uh, I would say I probably sent four to 600 emails to people, um, just trying to get them to even hear me for one second to be interested in my project and and things like that. And it, it can be difficult to find four to 600 people to email. I can, I can tell you that I was on deep pages of Google that probably aren't supposed to be seen, uh, page 40, page 60 of search terms. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The dark web. It's, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's, uh, it's that, that's a big piece of it is just the outreach. And, uh, I would say I probably got a 2% 
return on, on those emails. And a lot of the people that returned were small blogs, people that are just starting out. Right. And they're like, Oh shit, somebody's emailing me. Like, of course I'll do something with it. This is the first person who's ever emailed me. So a, a lot of the replies were, were those newbies like me. So, I mean, I was grateful for those, but those were people that unfortunately uh, didn't have a large audience. And then I had a handful of people that did have significant audiences to, uh, to, to talk about it. One guy was actually, uh, so I'm in Atlanta. Uh, one guy was just a little about 30 minutes north of Atlanta, had lunch with him and, uh, he had a pretty big time management blog. So he helped me out and he drove, uh, he probably drove 20%, 15 to 20% of all the backers that I had on my Kickstarter came from a Twitter post that he had. I didn't even think people still use Twitter, but, uh, he had 40,000 people on Twitter and he was like, yeah, I'm happy to do a little, uh, blurb about it. So he did that. And there was, was a couple other name, people uh, like, <laughs> yeah, his name's Craig Jarrow, J A R R O W. He runs a blog called the time management ninja. And, uh, he's, he's just been doing it for like eight or 10 years now, just super consistent. And, uh, yeah, he he developed a good little audience. And, you know, one of the things I'll continue going on the Kickstarter, but mention lessons learned. One of the things that I learned going through this process is who you think is your audience may not be your audience. And although I had crafted an avatar in my head of who I thought the journal would benefit and who would buy it, in some ways that's still true, but there were audiences that I had no idea about. For example, his audience, which is a lot of uh, older men in that are like corporate type people. And I mean, I was having people, again, no age discrimination or nothing like that, but there were 65 year old men buying the side hustle journal and I was baffled. Um, so that, that's one thing that like, don't, don't be so confined in your mind. Like, okay, this is the only people that I'm going after. You need to really test your audiences. And there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, Facebook ads, getting on forms, getting on different types of but uh, another audience was stay-at-home moms. Uh, that was one that was nowhere on my radar before wow. going into this. But they just really, really resonated with it. And, you know, I, I did Facebook ads and things like that leading up to the Kickstarter. And from an ROI perspective, they were by far the best bang for my buck was stay-at-home moms, kind of that audience. So, yeah, there, there's tons of lessons learned, but that's one is like, don't be confined in your mind with who do you think is going to like your product? Kind of throw it out there, see what works and um, pay attention to the feedback you're getting. Well, I think that says a lot about you as well, because if you're determined to have your product or project or career successful and it's customer driven, you have to be able to set aside that ego like you did and listen to the marketplace. And as you were telling that story, mm-hmm. I was thinking about, cause it wasn't uh, like Instagram and Airbnb. Didn't they pivot completely after, you know, they started getting out in the marketplace and what people responded to. And you know, with, uh, mm-hmm. with a, either a massive ego or blinders on, you would totally miss that. So I think that says a lot about you that you can 
yep. have some idea and, and shift and accept that, Hey, older, older gentlemen and stay at home moms. That's, that's a great place to be. If it's successful, who cares who's buying it as long as they're buying it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the things, so I, I mentioned, I had this avatar in my head of who I thought would want it, but uh, the reason I think those other audiences uh, perform better from a conversion and actually pulling out a credit card is that they tend to have more financial security. When I'm trying to target a 23, 25 year old guy, you know, maybe has his first job, he's probably not making a lot of money. He doesn't have a lot of disposable income. They're a lot harder to convert. And uh, these other people, for whatever reason, that's just anecdotally what I'm thinking is they're just more apt to pull out their their wallet because they have more more of that financial backing. And maybe they're more frustrated than a 25-year-old kid. Like, all right, you know, I'm sick and tired of my career. Like, I need some just be there yet. He may be like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Like my job's okay. Like this is how life's supposed to be. Um, again, just, just kind of talking out loud here. These are just things that go through my head when I'm trying to understand why different audiences convert. When I was thinking back to one of my other sales careers, I was in uh, outbound sales, like hunter prospector and the call ratios, the email responses you're talking about are right in line with when I was selling professional IT services, I would have a goal of 50 dials a day that would get me maybe three to five conversations that would get me one appointment. And it was just a numbers uh-huh. game. And so <clears throat> hearing you talk about uh-huh. your Kickstarter is um, kind of the behind the curtains is really a sales job after the fact. And <laughs> when you're talking about 600 mm-hmm. emails, I was just shaking my head and just going, wow. And that's, that's, uh, it's amazing because mm-hmm. like anything on the internet, if it's not promoted, it's not yeah. going to happen. So hearing that, you know, you're on page 40 of the Google search, yeah. I didn't know that was even a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't, especially with a Kickstarter, it, it can be the best idea in the world. If nobody knows about it, they're not going to buy it. And, and you have to play the numbers game. You have to know that only a certain percentage of those people are actually going to buy. Even if the other percentage think it's a great idea, they're just, they're not going to buy your, your message isn't going to be right for them, whatever it be, because with Kickstarter, you have one opportunity and one message. You can't, you don't have 10 different landing pages and you're driving different types of traffic to different pages. You got one shot. So you have to try to create a message that appeals to some amount of people. And, uh, it, and it can be a little challenging, but, uh, kind of going back to the Kickstarter, because one of the things that I wanted to do was to just got to prove a point to, to people so they could know that, it's possible to do stuff without a lot of financial backing is I had a goal to actually launch this for under a thousand dollars and uh, actually went from idea just before we even probably June, June ish, end of June, early July, uh, 2017 to hitting launch on the Kickstarter for less than uh, $800. So I did everything myself. I recorded the video, I designed the page, I did everything, all the outreach, everything myself, just really to show people that you can do this. You don't need 
you don't need to go to your parents and get money or raise funding or whatever you think may be your requirement. You can do this. You just have to spend the time and put in the effort uh, and really want it. So it, it's definitely possible without a lot of financial backing. So that's just something I wanted to highlight because that was uh, something I really wanted to get out of this to show people that things are possible for cheap. <laughs> right. And to save up a thousand dollars, look at you know, your, your Netflix bill or your coffee bill or going out yep. for happy hours. It wouldn't be hard. Um, I remember Ramit Sethi, who was the author of I'll teach you to be rich. He had this thousand dollar challenge in a month and I took it and it was a stretch and it was hard. And this was a few years ago when things were kind of thin, but I was able to scrape together and mm -hmm. it's, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's absolutely what you want. Like if you're going to be home to catch the next uh, game of Thrones and that's an important thing in your life, well, you're going to hit that milestone and it's just kind of adapting your goals to really what's mm -hmm. going to have an impact in your life. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, I made a, a blog post and I did a little math in that post and I can't remember the numbers right now, but I, I basically said, okay, let's just consider you do something that's non-value added every day, whether that's Facebook, uh, Instagram, Netflix, something. And we'll just say that equals to an hour. When you multiply that out an hour every day, seven days a week, or five days a week, and let's just say on the weekend, okay, you got a little bit more time, so we'll give that two hours a day on the weekend. When you compound this out, you get like 45 days or, or something like that of like actual working time throughout the year. 45 days that you can devote 100% to working on your side hustle if you just cut out the, that little bit of non-value added activity every day. So I thought that was a pretty powerful message to people. <laughs> that's amazing. So an hour a day, five days a week, that's 45 days. That's, that's amazing. <clears throat> I did the same yeah. thing at, uh, at my yeah. last job. Yeah. I actually calculated the time it took me to walk from the parking garage to my desk. And it was two minutes one way. And then two minutes the other way. And I multiplied that, you know, two minutes or four minutes a day times 50. And it was <laughs> literally two days a year that I was doing nothing but walking from my car yep. to my desk. And it was, I remember just getting to my desk and I was so heartbroken. I was like, Oh my yeah. God, that's a, I lost a weekend just walking to work. Yeah. No, I was going to say, uh, Hopefully, uh, now that you said that, I don't go back and calculate my commute back and forth to work because that may, uh, that may leave me heartbroken, even though I use that time to listen to podcasts, but still. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, uh, what's next on the horizon? Is it um, building up the side hustle journal or do you have another idea that is in the works if you want to talk about it? And you don't have to if you don't want to. No, no, absolutely. So the journal is, uh, maybe I didn't realize this in the beginning, but it's just kind of a catalyst to enable me to help more people. And so what I mean by that is, uh, I'm trying to build a community and, and some following around people who are using the journal, who are into this type of thing. And what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to build from in the very, very beginning stages of building some courses around, uh, 
this this concept of, of starting a side hustle. So I'm going to develop two courses in the beginning. One is going to be for people who really don't have an idea or, or maybe you have an idea but haven't done anything. And it's, it's going to be focused on helping people go from what I call like zero to profit, kind of like the thousand dollar challenge you took, I, I would imagine just really giving people the structure uh, and the technology to take maybe that idea and in six weeks time, get some uh, income from that. It really just kind of like a minimum viable approach an MVP approach to uh, validating your side hustle, getting it out there and expediting that process. So that's going to be one course. And the next one is going to be kind of, you mentioned in the beginning, one of the things that I'm good at is like systematizing and, and leveraging those systems to scale things. So the next course is going to be helping people that already have a side hustle up and running, really systematize things, leverage technology, uh, leverage standard operating procedures and outsource where you can um, leverage that technology and really scale your, your side hustle. So, I'm in the beginning stages of developing those and I'm leveraging that community they have built to uh, get feedback on what they really want. So there's a private uh, Facebook group and I've, I've been interacting with them, made a couple posts about like, Hey guys, what's really, uh, what's your sticking points right now? What are you struggling with? And I'm using that as those are the, the topics that I'm going to cover in these courses are, exactly what they're telling me they're struggling with. So I'm just trying to uh, solve their problems as they tell me. So that's kind of what I'm working on now. And uh, the journal is just kind of like the catalyst to get me there to help more people. So that's what I'm doing. I love that idea. And I was actually thinking about that this morning. And I don't know if we had talked about that or if it was Jonathan uh, Dunsmore, one of my earlier guests too. And I was kind of envisioning you, me, Jonathan being these, um, I hate the term mastermind cause it just reminds me of that Will Ferrell cartoon movie, but mm-hmm. I, I would see us as being yeah. this resource for people and just the, the impact that our side hustles have had on our, our personal lives. And I love that you're taking it mm-hmm. to help other people. And uh, I was just thinking about that this yeah. morning that if you know, we were just this, I'm, I'm envisioning our website, Ryan, of you and me and you know, three piece black suits and ties, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, not, not doing it for the money, but doing it yep. because these side hustles have had an impact mm-hmm. and turned our lives around and to help somebody else that may be struggling or just mm-hmm. is okay, but they have this idea I think that would just be a phenomenal way to spend a life. Yeah. And what you have to realize is not everybody is, is like us uh, in kind of self starters, self motivators. A lot of people need that handholding and, and charging people money for that is not a disservice. It's more of a service. And, you know, one of the things that I've been struggling with just literally yesterday and the day before is, uh, my plan was that I was going to create these courses and I was going to get 10 to 20, what I call beta users. So early adopters and let them go through it for free. And, and it be, uh, the only thing I want out of it is, is their feedback so I can make it better when I actually decide to put it out there and, and sell it to, to help more people. But 
I don't know if I'm going to do it for free, to be honest, Matt, because uh, I don't think even those early adopters will get as much out of it as if I charge them for it. Because if they just get it for free, the, the likelihood that they show up is a lot less and uh, the likelihood that they really try to get something out of it, I, I think is a lot less. So I've been struggling with that. W- what's your thoughts on that as far as, uh, you know, charging people a small amount, say 30 to $50 to, to be a part of uh, a beta group? Uh, do you think that would uh, incentivize people to show up? Yeah, I'm going to answer that question in two ways. I think absolutely you should charge for that because it's that accountability because, um, I've seen this in, you know, running, running blogs or or running posts where, you know, you sign up for the event and you pay the money and it's going to happen with or without you. And they've got your cash and it's part of a commitment. Mm -hmm. And on the marketing side, the, I'll answer the question similarly, but just slightly different is that you have to, you have to discount your product a little bit, you know, the free samples, the free taste to get it out there. But Mm -hmm. ultimately you can always come down in price and you can never go up. And so just, um, then this is now the sales guy talking. I'm thinking that if you had, you know, assign a a market value to your rate for this service, whether it was 50 bucks an hour, a hundred bucks an hour, which for consulting is not, um, not outside the realm of possibility, but then you could say, okay, Mm -hmm. for, you know, 60% off for this beta test this introductory, you've set the market, but then these people, they're also being held accountable for their purchase, but then it feels like they're getting a deal. And, uh, I'm flashing back to another book where, and maybe it's Ramit Sethi again, I'll, I'll look up the link and find you, but he raised his rates to, you know, uh, Oh no, it was a wedding photographer that this guy was just sort of competing, you know, at the bottom of the pyramid with other wedding photographers. And then he just started thinking about it. And then I think he 10 X his rate and he started getting better and better clients. And it's kind of that fine line. You don't want to price yourself out of the market, but you don't want to devalue yourself because what you've executed, there's value to that. And I think the people that you want to attract would pay for that. Yeah. So I, I definitely think you need to set, you know, not, not be too humble, but cause I see what you've executed and it is, mm-hmm professional level. And I would just say that, yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely charge the beta testers or do a a win lose guarantee. Like if you're not happy after going through this system, I'll refund your money. Yeah. But anything like that. But yeah, I I would say that you could charge for this and anybody that would spend on it with you, it would be worth every single penny. Yeah. 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 I think you're, you're right on. And that's, that's where I've been in the past uh, two days is trying to make sure that that's what I want to do. But I, I think I'm, I'm there because I know the value. If I charge somebody 50 bucks, they're going to get 50 times that in value out of, uh, out of the course because 
I think I've learned a lot and can leverage what I've learned in corporate America as well as uh, launching these side hustles, whether it be the Kickstarter blogs in the past, et cetera. So, yeah, I, I think that's where I'm at. And I think it'll filter out kind of to your point there, uh, filter out maybe some of the people I don't want to work with um, because I think the people that want this and, and really need this in their life, they'll uh, they'll pay a small fraction of, of the value that they're going to get out of it. So. That's, uh, uh, I should set another date since I'm on your, uh, your podcast since, uh, it seems to hold me accountable. Uh, I'll try to get this. Let's see. I'm going to, I'm going to get it launched by tomorrow. I'm going to get it out there, uh, and get at least 20 people signed up. So we'll see how that goes. That's, that's what I'm committing to right here on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And just kicking around um, ideas. Yeah. And then you did like a lump sum where like you talked about the 50 X value of that $50. And I wonder mm-hmm. if it was like even a three figure thing with, or even four figures, right. Where it was, you guarantee, or if you're not happy with the results at the end of this, that you would refund that money and setting not ridiculously high, but I just wonder as a model how that would be received because I look at your site and knowing you and knowing your drive and determination for me, if I was to hire you at a thousand dollars, I know what that would do. Mm -hmm. And if there was no risk. Yeah. That is interesting. Uh, interesting thought there. Something for, for me to consider, uh, today when we get off this interview, um, I'm going to walk across the street here to uh, a Panera and uh, get some work done. But uh, I'm, that's one of the things I'm going to be jogging through my, uh, through my head. It's, it's interesting that in mind and psychology is a super fascinating thing. Well, when I, when you're the next Tim Ferriss, I'm going to ask right now that you don't forget about me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's a uh, man. He, and this is, uh, so getting off the journal and stuff like that, but you, you bring up Tim Ferriss and, you know, I, I just had somebody message me the other day and, and they said, you know, they don't think they can get go until they get a mentor. And I think a lot of people think about mentorship wrong. And I think I've even heard Tim talk about this is yeah. Having that in-person mentor that, lives in the same city as you that you can go meet up with that. That's awesome. And it's, it's super valuable, but you need to also look at a a virtual mentor. So, I mean, I would say to me, Tim Ferriss is a mentor. I listen to his podcast every time he puts it out. I really try to take in what he's saying and figure out how I can implement it in my life. And that that's the same thing that you would do with a mentor. They would, they would spread their wisdom. They would tell you advice and you would try to apply it to your life. So I think a lot of people need to uh, view mentorship differently and realize that we're in an age now where just like your podcast, there's a lot of people out there giving amazing advice that they, they truly want to help people. You just have to, you just have to receive it as if they're speaking to you and apply those same principles to your life. And, uh, I think there's a lot of value that we can get out of people out there virtually. 
Exactly. And I would also add on to exactly what you're saying. Don't get wrapped up in the official version of how a mentor should look. Because if it's, if you have in your head, somebody that you're going to meet at Panera and it's every Saturday at 9am and it has to be in person and it has to be somebody that is in your industry, you've excluded so much information out there. And you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. There's, there's so many concepts from books and podcasts and articles that don't directly apply to any challenge that I'm trying to overcome but there's a process or an idea and the word that you said that really struck me was receive, right? And coming from yoga and meditation and and the universe, like you receive this if you're in a mindset to actually be open to it. And if you can be calm and open and look and you've got, in, in one part of your mind, your challenge you're trying to overcome. And in the other part, you're a blank template or tablet, sheet of paper, whatever you want to call it. Those ideals will be swirling around. And mm-hmm. if you just sort of let things happen and be open to how it looks, I think it'll, yeah, yeah there's mentors everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, to, to your point there, just uh, receiving that information and, and think about it as if they're they're speaking to you and just just apply it. Don't don't get caught up in uh, people define it on, on the internet. I think it's uh, it's a big thing. There's a ton a ton of knowledge out there these days. You can you can do anything. Like I launched a Kickstarter for uh, eight hundred dollars. Uh, I, I reached out to a service before launching it, and they want they want fifteen thousand dollars. I mean, they were wanting to charge me $15,000 to uh, the page uh, outreach and uh, uh, do the video. And, you know, then I reached out to a local guy who is a videographer in Atlanta. And I'm sure he would have done an amazing job, much better than the video I recorded in my condo. But uh, it was between four and 5,000 just to record the video. Uh, and that was like the going rate. The, all the people I uh, reached out to, that was really the going rate. So, uh, but I, I did it all for $800 just by leveraging the resources on the internet. You know, YouTube and Google taught me how to uh, do some basic design and Adobe InDesign and how to do some basic editing and iMovie. And, you know, I, I just built it all myself. So it's, uh, le- people need to leverage the power of the internet, whether it's to, uh, to gain mentorship, to, uh, learn something, to create something. There, there's so much free content out there. Well, and that's the other thing too, is that none of us know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> we might have a plan and mm-hmm. you can make something look yep. so much better. And it, yeah, you're right. It's so easy to plunk down five grand and hire a videographer, but there's ways that you can make it look, you know, the 80, 20 rule, you can make it look 80% mm-hmm. as good 